Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bundesliga show. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, we're back for yet another Bundesliga uh, review and check back from the weekend's very exciting action. Uh, obviously, before we get into all of that, joined uh, by Mark and Peter this evening. Gents, how are we doing? Yeah, not bad at all, Mayan. What a weekend of Bundesliga action. I mean, uh, we complained a little bit last weekend, but this was a proper weekend of Bundesliga action. Shocks, quality, just about everything. Crazy games, you know, everything that we love about the Bundesliga this week. Peter, how are you? Uh, indeed, yes. Uh, there's a lot to talk about uh, both on and off the pitch uh, in the Bundesliga this week. As a matter of fact, as someone who was responsible for covering the uh, the 1530 kickoffs, it was slightly uh, annoying that every match finished off at a, a, at a different time. But uh, <laughs> that was the case uh, for a variety of reasons. And uh, we'll get into that as we as we review this week's action, uh, both uh, in a footballing sense and well, in a semi-political sense as well. Yeah, yeah, plenty going on, wasn't there, this weekend uh, through yeah, fan protests um, and the chocolate coins being thrown on and an awful lot. Peter, don't get yourself done in by your uh, by your props there. Um, or he's strapping on the shins for five asides. I'm messing around with the tactics board. It's, it's, all, <laughs> it's all going off and we've not even kicked uh, kicked off the action yet. Um, so, yeah, no, I'll help. Hope everyone's doing well anyway. Um, yeah, if you can indeed uh, give us a thumbs up for the show, that'd be a good start to proceedings. Uh, comment along uh, as well in regards to your team's performance, if you agree or disagree with what we're saying. Uh, of course, we'll be doing uh, Peter's Kiosk Club to start with, then going through our featured games, finishing off with our Hero of the Week as well. So loads to get through. Uh, of course, as well, if you can leave a rating and a review on podcasts as well from an audio sense, that would also be uh, greatly appreciated um so yeah before we uh well go on too much uh let's uh let's get cracking with the rest of the show so peter swear we'll hand over to yourself to do some kiosk club fun absolutely thank you very much rory it was a pleasure as always to hit the kiosks uh, make the sacred schlep to the newsstands early this morning at 5 a.m uh, all the Germans were out in force, uh, given that Bayern lost, which we'll get into in a little bit. But whenever Bayern lose, uh, everybody is hitting the kiosks very, very early. Uh, I had a little bit of a blast from the past to start us up with here. Um, way back on our first review show of the season, and indeed the first installment of the Kiosk Club, uh, I held up the El Freunde here, which was uh, praising Chabi Alonso as the best trainer in the league. And we'll be talking about him and Leverkusen and their title prospects as well in just a little bit. I wanted to point out that, did we Germans know? We absolutely always knew. We knew from the beginning of the season that we had something very, very special in Xabi and look forward to getting into discussing that with you guys soon. You may want to avert your eyes, uh, Rory, as an all Stuttgart fans may want to, as uh, the Bild am Sonntag, as we get into the Saturday matches, is saying shame or shame on you, Stuttgart fans. Um, one of the big news uh, pieces of news from the weekend is that the second half of the kickoff in Stuttgart's Bochum uh, match, their trip to Bochum, was delayed for over 45 minutes uh, for something not related to the protest this weekend. It was actually just a, a typical a Kanstatter banner uh, that the Stuttgart fans had brought out to the supporters' block, and it was blocking the American, or excuse me, the uh, <laughs> Mark, the emergency exit lanes 
And uh, yes, it was quite the scene for 45 minutes there as uh, the refs and also the Stuttgart coaching staff and personnel tried to uh, get a compromise and get them to take that banner down. The match was nearly abandoned. Yeah. Maybe Stuttgart fans uh, would have preferred it to be abandoned. But in any, <laughs> any event, yeah. <laughs> when the score was still nil-nil. Uh, but that is the size of it. I wouldn't uh, take it too personally that the Bildzeitung, is, uh, that the main sporting tabloid is uh, passing judgment on you. That's, that's not really... Um, we won't be covering Dortmund directly uh, today, but they did get a great deal of coverage. Uh, the headline here inside the fold is not so important. I think that's relatively material. I did want to show you one picture of the Schokoladenthaler protests. Uh, German fans are throwing chocolate coins onto the pitch in protest of the new DFL licensing deal uh, that was sanctioned. And this is not the first time it happened. It happened in round 15, uh, the penultimate round of 2023 as well. But here is a very nice photo of all the Dortmund players getting together uh, to pick up these little chocolate coins. Hell of a task, because there's so many small ones that you have to get off the players. Dortmund, of course, won big, and uh, they are getting most of the coverage here in the Bundesrepublik. The kicker, as if Joshua Kimmich did not have a bad enough weekend to begin with, uh, is leading with a huge piece on Toni Kroos and uh, whether or not he'll be returning to the German national team. Uh, to be fair, the kicker was caught a little off guard by the Bayern loss. I believe they went to print without really knowing uh, <laughs> that Bayern was going to blow it in Bremen, and that's the reason that we have that. Luckily for that, we have the Bild am Montag, which is what everybody, I, it, were, it was almost sold out at 5.30 this morning. The headline reads, So vertuchelt Bayern the German word uh, fatun uh, is uh, to fritter away, to give something away. So Bayern have, uh, in the estimation of the, the Bild on Montag, frittered away the championship, the Meisterschale, already. Good news uh, after that Bayern Dortmund result earlier. Rory doesn't always like it when I bring up the highbrow publications, but I wanted to let you know that according to Kicker, uh, Vincenzo Grifo, whom we will discuss in a moment, was the player of the day. He was the hero of the day. But uh, the fascination in the German press with the EPL loanies continues. Uh, in the opinion of the Süddeutsche and auch the Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung, uh, Ian Matzen uh, was the player of the day. And there's a nice little headline here uh, in the Süddeutsche for English fans. So, input von der Insel, or input from the Isle. Uh, everyone's very excited about the likes of Ian Motson, uh, Jaden Sancho, Sasa Kalajic, uh, Donny van de Beek, uh, and so on and so forth, being in the Bundesliga. They are our heroes, the Premier <clears throat> rejects. So that will conclude our, <laughs> our Chaos Club. And uh, I'll turn it over to you, Rory, to get us started with the action. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so, that yeah, there was so much action uh, to enjoy at the weekend. Um, and yeah, I'll, you mentioned Dortmund in passing there, Peter. We, we are just going to very quickly touch upon them as a unofficial fifth place in our featured four or five. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we will just talk about it because naturally I didn't want to completely subside them because they have now scored seven goals without reply and not give them, you know, a bit of a nod. Um, so just, we won't do this game in as much detail because again, I kind of feel like it was a bit of a false scoreline. 
Uh, and yeah, people can shout at me, uh, BVB fans, if you want to. Um, that's just the way that I saw it. Um, but yeah, just before we uh, obviously move on, it was a great weekend really for for Dortmund from a results point of view, of course, uh, obviously with the RB result and Stuttgart losing and the perfect start to the second half of the season. Um, you know, as I already said, seven goals scored, none conceded. Uh, but from a perspective of the match, chaps, obviously, you know, taking on a lower league curl and they've got not much to really uh, shout about at the moment. But in that first half, there were a few opportunities for the home side, um, you know, before the quick double um, early on in the second half saw to the match result. Um, but what what did we think of uh, Dortmund overall? Uh, I'll throw it over to you, Mark, quickly, just to, to walk through Dortmund. Uh, are we still having um, the fact that they're, on this new role and they can make the most of it or are we thinking it's just the teams that they've played and they've done what they should have done? I think a little bit of both, to be honest. I think I had a similar kind of uh, vision of the match to you, Rory. I think it wasn't a 4-0 thrashing. I think Köln played probably a little bit better, especially probably before the 60-minute mark. Until the 2-0, I would say Köln were well in the game, to be honest, and they played quite well by their standards, let's be honest. Yeah, but obviously the, the first goal was a nice goal, the short corner from Brandt and then a really nice finish from Marlon. Marlon is a really important player to them. And, you know, he missed a lot of the games when they weren't winning before the, obviously, the end of the, the Hinrunder. With him back in the team, he has that moment of magic, really, in him. You know, and I thought this was a really, really sweet finish for the 1-0. As you say, Cologne did have a lot of chances as well. That they, they did their own work. You know, Thielman, who was actually playing as a number nine in this game, he was pretty good, actually. I've got to say, though, I don't know what the, obviously, Schmidt is doing, really, there, getting rid of, um, sorry, Schultz, my mistake. Yeah, what he's doing, getting rid of Selke, because Selke sco scored last week as well. So I found that a little bit strange, to be honest. I, maybe he was pick, picked up a knock, but I thought Thielman did well in general. He had a good game. I think also Kainz had a probably half-decent game as well, a minor, but... Ultimately, I feel as though Dortmund grew into the game. I agree on Ian Martin, though. I'm a big fan of his, really. I think Ian Martin is a great player, really. I actually saw him play for Burnley last year against Wigan, and he was really, really good then as well. He was on loan at Burnley. Uh, they tried to sign him in summer, actually, but the, he refused to go there, basically. So he's a really highly rated player. Got to be honest, watching these games, and I can't see how he can't get in that Chelsea team at the minute because he's a really good player, pretty much a complete player at left-back, really. I think he's a, he's a great player. But, yeah, there weren't too many standout uh, performances apart from those two. I felt Martin and Marlon were, like, the two that really kind of stood out. Nice assist for, um, um, obviously, um, Bino Gittens as well off the bench. Obviously, he'd been benched in the game. That was a nice finish. And Mukuku, who's got two goals in two as well now. So, respect yeah. to him. He seems to be getting his form back. Obviously, the other big talking point is the, as the Dazone commentary mentioned, I believe I can fly. Because, uh, yeah, Sancho's dive was, yeah, let's be honest. He was... He's brought that from the Premier League, let's be honest, <laughs> because uh, I thought that was quite poor. I was surprised that he didn't get pulled back, in truth, because I didn't think there was really any touch there uh, on him. But he got away with that and full crew comfortably put the penalty away. But Peter, were you on a similar kind of mark to me? Right. that It wasn't a great performance, but still a win. 
there were several defensive errors in the beginning that Kern didn't have the finishing quality to capitalize on. Um, you mentioned Selka. Selka is hurt. He has a foot injury that might sideline him up, up to a month. And Valschmidt may need surgery. So, I mean, it's really getting ridiculously bad for Kern right now. I mean, you know, pretty soon Heiko Veschenbacher uh, or whatever his name is is going to be starting. I'd, li- I'd like to see them give that young American kid, Damian Downs, a shot. I mean, what do they have to lose at this point? But, uh, uh, um, yeah, the I Believe I Can Fly, uh, that R. Kelly song was huge in Germany for some reason. I don't know why. But uh, that was, uh, yes, that was huge. That was big news, as was the fact that Jaden Sancho, after drawing the penalty, wanted to take the penalty. Give me, give me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And um, you could read his lips. I mean, the broadcast cameras caught it. And he was like, can I take it? Can I take it? I want to take it. I want to shoot it. (laughs) You could read Nick Fulcrum's lips saying, no, I take it. I take it. I, it's fine. And uh, it, it didn't look like a very friendly confrontation, but they hugged afterwards and Food Crook smoothed it over in his post-match interview. <laughs> so, um, you know, they were playing Kern. Uh, Kern uh, could have put away some early chances if they had better quality. I mean, there was, you know, with Linton Mina, I think he hit the post twice. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, pretty decent game from Dortmund. You mentioned Bino Gittin's great assist off the bench. Reina was involved in that play as well. Mukoko, nice finish. Uh, and uh, Daniel Malen and Ian Matson are now referred to as the Dutch connection by the German press. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, if it were the French connection, it would be a good reference, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they go with that. So that's what I'll... I've, I've shared the uh, Food Krug uh, Sancho anecdote. That's all I, I can really... I can't top that when it comes to Dortmund. Yeah, I, that's basically yeah what I was going to mention if we hadn't uh, the interesting confrontation uh, screams to me Sancho just wanted a free goal. Uh, he won it, so he thought he deserved to take it. Um, but definitely better places uh, to do that and didn't look the best from his point of view. And there's quite a lot of Man United fans across social media who are ready, who obviously are interested to see how he's doing in the Bundesliga and had spotted this and say, oh, well, yeah, typical Sancho, all about himself. Um, so, yeah, is that his character? You know, it, there's been a lot talked about his, his, you know, mentality in that sense but you know we won't get into it too much obviously hopefully um he and bvb carry on doing well and from a fixture list point of view they'll definitely be targeting you know really going hard and they'll fancy their chances by the end of this little run that they'll probably be inside the top four quite soon um uh, in that sense um but yeah anyway we'll move on uh before we move on to um the fourth game just want to quickly catch up on some comments um so First one from from DM. Uh, keep up, uh, keep up the good work, guys. Can't stay to watch, but we'll be waiting for the pod. So thank you very much for that. Uh, good evening to Balan. Uh, hope you're doing well. Um, obviously, a few different uh, comments uh, in here. Dortmund, um, Balan saying Dortmund seemingly getting a bit more gel now uh, in their team, uh, which yeah, it seems to be the case. <laughs> Seven goals. Can't argue against that. Um, so the fourth game, chaps, we're we're going to now do um, the buying game, and then we'll move on to to Leverkusen. So we we'll do the kind of title race in a sense, back to back. And you know, well, obviously, this <laughs> a lot of people predicted that this loss um, was inevitable in a sense, the way that Bayern have been playing under Tuchel, and that you know this is maybe. 
the end of an era and you know there's been lots talked about it um but yet by not playing well yet this is a bad loss for them but there's been too many false dawns that me and Mark have, you know, got excited about in the sense of, you know, we'll have more competition and a tight title race. And Bayern's, like, points per game is still ridiculously good. But, you know, we'll kind of come on to that. Let's talk about the game itself. Um, so the first half, Mark, pretty open, um, you know, game, couple of half chances, a really good save made by um, Manny Neuer. Uh, obviously, that kind of deflected visor effort where he has to obviously jump up uh, and make a really good save, showing his athletic ability is still there. Um, and then, obviously, first talking point uh, of the match, uh, maybe do a quick round robin on this because uh, we could probably talk about it for a while. Uh, the Nijmar goal uh, or disallowed goal, where, where do we stand on this? Uh, is VAR maybe getting a little bit too involved in these um, you know, 50-50 tackles in the middle of the pitch. Is VAR down, you know, down to interrupt a game for that level of detail when it's a referee's decision? Um, some people have said it's correct decision because it's a foul. You know, when you look at it in slow motion, 50 times over, yeah, it's probably a foul. But I'm not convinced that that's what VAR is there for. Um, anyway, Mark... Do you want to quickly come in and say what your thoughts are on VAR and whether it should have been a goal or not? At the time when I was watching it, I was furious, to be honest. Because let's be honest, we all love watching Bayern get turned over. You know what I mean? Like I think every Bundesliga fan outside of Munich and Bavaria loves to see that. You know, like we're not going to lie about it. Even though we respect Bayern, we, we love Bayern really, but we all love seeing them get turned over. And obviously at the time, it seemed like a harsh decision. But I think... Looking back, it probably was the correct decision in terms of the foul. I do believe it was a foul, but should really do we need this in football? I don't know, to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest. Like, I think football is in danger of becoming a little bit overregulated at the moment. I'm going to be honest. I think it was a good goal at the end of the day. The ball through was amazing. The finish and the bottle that Najima showed to score. Everyone was celebrating. The fans were celebrating. This. Everyone was so happy, apart from obviously Bayern fans. Then you always have that feeling of disappointment when it goes to VAR. My feeling whenever I see VAR on the screen, I always feel like a sense of disappointment, personally, regardless of if it's my team that scored or even the opponents. Because you're always like, oh, no, here we go. It's going to get chalked off for something and nothing again. But unfortunately, that is football. I don't think we're going to go back on VAR. Whether I like it... It, it's a hard one, to be honest. I think on one side, I think it's needed, but the idea would be we have VAR, but it's only used for very, very clear and obvious decisions. That would be the ideal, basically. But sadly, at the moment in football, we don't have that, and we're not going to have that anytime soon from what I've seen. it. If anything, it seems to be getting more and more complex, the decisions that are getting pulled up using it. And that's disappointing. I believe I believe in goal time, goal line, goal line technology. I believe in clear and obvious goals being disallowed. But I think anything less than like a 70-30, if the referee didn't give it, then it probably should be allowed to stand with the referee's decision in my eyes. But it's very you've got to remember it's very borderline all this. At the end of the day, if you're Bayern Munich and it goes to VAR and the goal's given, you're like, how? It was a clear foul. Do you know what I mean? So... At the time, I was disappointed, but I think 
in the laws of the game, it probably was the correct decision at the end of the day. Yeah, Peter, do you want to just quickly chime in whilst we're on VAR and then we can gladly move on? Absolutely. Um, I th- I feel it was the correct decision. And okay. uh, one of our upcoming matches, will VAR gave us a goal. So we'll get to that uh, in a little bit as well. Mm. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, very straight and easy point there. Um, but I just wanted to have have my say because it yeah it didn't sit well with me the way that it was interrupted but then again it might come and save man united or Stuttgart in weeks to come so then i'll be singing his praises again um <laughs> but anyway yeah so obviously uh not the greatest of halves uh for buying first half uh they had what well, a couple of half chances again at the start of the second kane volleying over um sane had an effort um well saved uh, but then, yeah, Verda just picked them off so well on the counter. Nijmar was great, great pace, um, you know, holding up the ball really well, creating chances. Uh, and then the goal itself, obviously, um, the ball was kind of chucked down the right-hand side uh, for Visor um, to absolutely go at Fonzie Davis and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, was not holding back, turns inside and get maybe slightly lucky on the deflection of the ball, perhaps. But other than that, was fantastically direct and his finish high into the net gives further that that 1-0 lead, which obviously they would hold on to. Um, but, you know, amazingly well played. Uh, Advisor was superb, man the match for me. Uh, you know, even before the game, he was so, you know, he was getting down that wing really well. Um, Verda were defending fantastically well, getting into that deep block. Um, you know, Young uh, in one of the, the three centre backs, I thought he was awesome. Um, Agu, I thought, played a really good game as well, uh, one of his better games. Zetera, who we've mentioned before as well, Mark, on you know, in terms of how he hasn't settled in very well, probably his best Bundesliga game ever. Um, Schmidt in the midfield was really good, um, you know, could probably name them all in fairness. Uh, I thought it was just all-round excellence from Verda, who came with a game plan and, well, just did did for Bayern, basically. Uh, Peter, uh, well, thought, thoughts on Bayern then? Uh, well, yeah, thoughts on Bayern quickly. And I want to keep on heaping praise onto Verda because they deserve it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the thing that was a shame about that disallowed Njinma goal is that um, he has really shown some flashes of brilliance this season. And uh, for him to start upside, <clears throat> up top alongside Nick Voltamata, <laughs> I mean, you're thinking to yourself, how in the hell can they possibly uh, square off against the record champions uh, like this? I mean, Dux was out because he was suspended. Ore is uh, out because of all of the, uh, well, a slight punishment for signing with the Brazilian side while he's still on loan with Vada. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they played, Vada played a, an excellent game. Uh, one of our favorite nickname players, Jens, all the world's a stage, uh, did very well in midfield in that 3-5-2. Uh, Mitchell Weiser, uh, granted, the, the save that Neuer made on him early was deflected, but um, another beast of a game from him. That's Leverkusen reject Mitchell Weiser. <laughs> Leverkusen yeah. To be fair, I don't think he's Jeremy Frimpong or even uh, Nathan Tella, but in any event, um, he's just really come on for them. Uh, one of the advantages that I have uh, of now moving my, my tactics column to a little bit later in the week is that I have some more time to study these matches. And I was looking, I was having another look at Bayern and Tuchel's tactics late on today. And uh, the headline that I showed you in the Sportbild is absolutely justified. 
I mean, he, uh, he's got real problems now. I mean, both Kimmich and Leroy Sané were very, very mad about their uh, tactical, or Kimmich was mad about getting yanked. Sané was very, very mad about uh, being pushed down the left wing there and forced to defend more. Um, his late mat uh, match tactical switch was not good at all. Uh, he tried a 3-5-2 there, and it was it was just simply nothing befitting of, of what you would expect from a championship side. Uh, we have the problem of Matthias de Ligt, who has been, it's, it was leaked this week that the Dutchman uh, does not have a good relationship with Thomas Tuchel and may be uh, headed out in the summer. I don't know where that came for, uh, from or how that started, uh, but you could tell that de Ligt was very, very distracted in this one. His, his late booking was, was not fair, but he made tactical errors throughout the first half, was one of the reasons why Bayern were ineffective on both sides of the ball. And he was not good uh, as a pivot runner in that late back three either. He made a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, <clears throat> to uh, that that gives me a chance to get to Balam's question about Kieran Trippier because they they obviously they need more defensive help and they need it immediately because uh, Minjay Kim and, and Nusser Masrawi they're both on teams at the Continental Championships that can go deep into the tournament. So uh, the last I heard, I think Mukiele uh, that deal is off. And uh, I read in The Guardian this weekend that Trippier has even uh, come to an, a verbal agreement with Bayern. So, yeah, it could be White Hart Lane at the Allianz here. Last week we were joking that when Eric Dyer transfers, like Paul McCartney transferred to Germany, Harry Kane's obviously John Lennon. Who the hell's Trippier? Is he Hamilton or is he? He's, he's not Ringo. He's not Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> Ringo. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that could happen, uh, and I think that he could. I mean, I don't. I haven't been following Trippier very, very closely uh, since he left Spurs. Uh, I don't know how he's he's doing necessarily. Where is he? Newcastle now, but um, he's still a good player, from what I can see. Yeah, well, he's he's a little old now. He's got to be like thirty three, I, mean, I think now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was one of those. I mean, like most Germans watching the twenty eight. Uh, 18 World Cup when I saw that Trippier was like the set piece taker for England. Who? <laughs> so, who is this guy? So, but uh, I mean, he impressed and has continued to impress since that tournament. I think he would be a fine addition to the team and I think that they would do very, very well to get him. Um, you know, Eric Dyer has not been able to participate yet uh, because he had to leave training camp last week to attend the, to the birth of his child. What is, what is it with these with Kane? They're always they're having babies like crazy, aren't you? That's supposed to be a goal celebration when you stick the ball underneath. You're not supposed to be. <laughs> anyway, uh, they need help and they need it quick. Um, you know, when it comes to Bayern and and uh, their chances of blowing the uh, the championship, you, the great thing for uh, German Bundesliga fans is that we don't have to wait long to find out what the next chapter in this story is. The makeup match against FC Union Berlin is this coming Wednesday in a short 48 hours' time. So we're going to find out rather quickly uh, if they can, to pardon the cliche, muster up a response. But this was not a good performance from them tactically. It was not a good performance uh, individually. And the last thing they need now is this distraction with players like Delict and Kimmich and and uh, and Sane to a certain extent as well. I mean, they're they're suddenly in in quite deep trouble, uh, in my opinion. Mark, what do you say about that? Yeah, I'm totally in accordance. Yeah, I just feel as though so many players are out of form at the minute, especially in that midfield. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago about Joshua Kimmich. 
there's something not right with him. It's not only the performances, but he doesn't look happy, uh, in my opinion, under Tuchel either. He, he's mentioned that he wants to move further forward and he's been linked with a move to Man City as well recently too. And I'm not sure whether he's got that long uh, by Munich, especially if Tuchel stays. Um, you know, maybe even Tuchel is the problem after all. I don't know because a lot of people are questioning him now. Obviously, he got lucky to win the Bundesliga last year, and he's not really established a great style of play this year, despite having a really good squad at his disposal as well. Let's be honest, this is a really, really good squad of Bayern at the moment. I don't know what happened to Pavlovich. He was getting great ravings before the break. He's dropped out of the team the last two games, which is somewhat surprising. Because I don't really see Guerrero as a great uh, holding midfielder myself. You know, he did well, I think, against Wolfsburg before the break. But that doesn't mean he's, he's the right choice for every game. Limer, a right-back. He's good at right-back, but I, feel, I still feel as though he's better in midfield. I feel as though yeah. may, it might even be an idea to change Limer and Kimmich. You know, give that a go against Union Berlin. Stick Kimmich at right-back and just try something different because it's not working out. But as for Werder, massive respect to them. They basically showed how to beat Bayern Munich at the Allianz Arena, as far as I'm concerned. That was a blueprint performance. Great defensively, great on the counter. And yeah, it, do you know, Rory, that's the first time Bayern Munich haven't scored at the Allianz since we've been doing the show as well. 66 <laughs> games since yeah. they did it. So there you go. It's like a little birthday for us, isn't it? But, well, yeah, quite. Yeah. Just, yeah, sums up, uh, yeah, records tumbling yeah. at the weekend, basically, uh, all, all things being said. But yeah, excellent from Verda. Um, problems for Bayern. Uh, but yeah, and I think as Ballam's commented, uh, will we see an angry Bayern versus poor old Union where they maybe ship seven goals? Uh, yeah, be interested to, to watch the outcome of that one midweek. Um, quick one from Ian. Uh, really want St. Pauli to be promoted. Obviously, they're doing pretty well in the Spider at the moment. So, uh, yeah, we'll be keeping our eyes peeled on St. Pauli's progress throughout the season. Um, and Erin checking in from Philly as well. So, hi, Erin. Hope you're enjoying the show. Um, yeah, great stuff. Uh, we shall move on then to the um, the Saturday evening kickoff, uh, which was a very, very entertaining game by two teams that were going at it. Um, and um, well, a game of two halves, I suppose, chaps. Uh, I think it's fair to say that RB were very, very good in the first half, started quickly, um, you know. Uh, Sheshko and Openda led the line really well. They were really good in transition, really, you know, a real threat. Um, obviously, got themselves an early an early goal. Uh, credit, obviously, firstly to uh, Sheshko for uh, absolutely skinning Jonathan Tarr in the build-up to the goal. You know, great pace and skill. Um, obviously, then the, the rest is left up to the magician, that is Xavi, uh, Xavi Simmons, who takes one two touches uh, of pure magic and then his third is to slot it in the back of the net uh, for 1-0. Um, so, yeah, really, really impressive stuff that from, um, you know, it was kind of the Xavi versus Florian Wirtz uh, midfield contest, which was really interesting mm -hmm. to see. Uh, and, you know, Xavi was getting on the ball a lot more uh, and RB Leipzig looked a real threat. Um, and I don't suppose you probably would have argued with them having a two-goal lead at half-time, um, although the chances were slightly less uh, clear-cut after that. Um, 
So then going into the second half, um, Mark, first to, to yourself, uh, you know, Leverkusen got that that first equaliser and, you know, um, you know, well, classic Leverkusen goal, I guess. Great, great play down the left-hand side. Nice low cross. Uh, and, you know, for the substitute, uh, Nathan Teller. Uh, great to see him uh, get opportunity in such a big match. Obviously, in unfortunate circumstances with Frimpong uh, going off injured. Um, the good news is, obviously, with Frimpong, that only seems to be um, a, slight, a slight knock and he's already back in training this week, or he will be. Um, so that's good news from a Leverkusen perspective. But Tello, I thought, was fantastic. Uh, filled in really well. Uh, got forward and <clears throat> gets the goal through David Round falling asleep, which is, you know, from a defensive point of view, not a shock. Uh, and then, yeah, well, why don't you walk us through the rest of it, Mark? Uh, obviously, from 1-1, um, you know, RB did go ahead in quite strange circumstances, but clinical circumstances, nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, the corner was an absolute catastrophe. It reminded me of that Iago Aspas uh, corner a few years ago from Liverpool. They call it the worst corner in history, basically. <laughs> it was the corner that was known to cost Liverpool the title. I think it was in 2014, but it was very similar. It basically ended up being a great assist for what turned out to be a fantastic counter-attack yeah. from uh, the um, the home side. By that point, they were really kind of on the back foot as well. Leverkusen were like really starting to press um Viet had forced a great save from Blasvik as well uh, just before that and it was looking as though the away side were going to assert their control over this game but it, it was a really well worked counter wasn't it it really was obviously a, a pender managed to, to finish that off we've questioned his finishing at times but he actually finished really well in this one straight away no messing around just hits it no real chance for Hadatsky but then this is the point where you're thinking you know what a title what a you know title contenders made of basically i mean at that point leverkusen could have kind of said you know we, we've lost the game we were on top we lost our chance to a counter but it wasn't to be and you know i mean the the, the first the second equalizer was quite a scrappy goal in truth i felt as though blasvik uh, should have done better the, the corner was so high from uh, grimaldo that it literally like there must have been a lot of wind there because he just kept coming and coming. And Jonathan Tarr, respect to him, he was the only one who managed to follow the ball there. And he ended up basically heading in from about 50 centimetres away from the goal, didn't he? It was, um, he couldn't quite believe it, I don't think, that he got it. The ball came that far. I mean, Blasvik um, could have done better, probably. He could have commanded his box a little bit better. But that, that was the kind of title mentality really wasn't it and then obviously the blow of losing palacios as well which is a little bit concerning because he is one hell of a great player palacios i don't know if you guys have heard any news on him how he's doing but it looked a little bit bad that one and then obviously it was yet another corner wasn't it but this time it was an amazing delivery i felt and then that man hincapie who we've always said has been unlucky this season not to play more because he is a fantastic player in his own right you know, stretching that body and just getting in and what a massive goal that is. I mean, to win away in Leipzig is just, it's enormous. You can't say. And obviously the pressure told as well. It's all about that pressure in title races too. And that win, the way they won the game, obviously forced Bayern into the mistake, you know, and now it's like advantage for any of you Australian Open fans out there, it's uh, advantage Leverkusen in the title race. Yeah. yeah. So what a game, what a result for Leverkusen. Yeah, absolutely. Peter, um, just, yeah, how big are those two 
late goals from Palacios, obviously, last week and from, from Hincapié as well now. Obviously, we can put it into a points perspective quite clearly, but from a mentality point of view as well. Yeah, I, I wish uh, there was a... Uh, Palacios got a big spread. I was holding it up at the end of the show last week, uh, and I wish I had saved that paper because um, they had another one with Hincapié. <laughs> So you had these two Latin Americans uh, and those those powder blue kits are, are great luck for Leverkusen. They should consider wearing those the rest of the season. As we've got two, they've snatched two late victories in the new calendar year with those kits. I mean, this match was just incredible. Uh, it was the first top spiel, the first Saturday evening top spiel of the season and or of the Rukunda, I should say. And uh, it absolutely delivered. I mean, Tactically speaking, there's nothing to say. I mean, Xabi uh, <clears throat> stuck with his 3-4-3. He slotted Nathan Tella in there uh, as the as the wing back in Frimpong's place, and uh, Marco Rosa stuck with his sort of you know German Red Bull Rafaelnik 4-2-2-2, and uh, there was just quality everywhere. Xabi, uh, that Xabi goal. I mean, good. Lord, I, th that is that has got to be one of the contenders for the goal of the season. We're going to be talking about that in the season review show. Just incredibly technical touches and everything. Sesco was quite good. Um, I think that he took a couple too. He, he took too many touches on a couple yeah. of uh, occasions, uh, particularly yeah. there in the in the beginning. Um, you know, there's a lot of news about are oh, Leipzig, uh, Leipzig going to sell Sesco? You know, he's got a, a fifty million dollar or fifty million euro release clause at the end of the season. Uh, when I was preparing some of these stories, I was surprised to learn that he's scored seven goals uh, in, in Leipzig colors. I was like, when did this happen? How did I miss it? <laughs> yeah. He scored a few a few back-to-back, -back, didn't he? He scored a brace off the bench, I think, a little well, quite early on, didn't he? And, yeah. Yeah. And, well, and then two of them came in the Pokal and two came in the Champions League. So, I mean, the, there's only the, the three in the league. But, um, yeah, you can see him... Uh, steadily improving. I mean, Xavi is the, the one that they really want to keep, even though his loan doesn't have a purchase option. So the, 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 a lot of the news about Leipzig is, are they going to sell Shesko and then uh, try and make a play for Xavi? Because they got to keep him. I mean, he's, he's just incredible. Um, you know, another a great game back from Danny Olmo. Uh, mm, yeah. you know, he was incredible in, in running that play. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird to see Leipzig without Emil Forsberg now. I mean, you you half expect him to like show up off the bench, just <laughs> like uh, you know, even though he's he's often the at the Red Bull sister club. But uh, I mean, I, just a great show from both teams. Leipzig fans does they can feel a little bit hard done by uh, after mm -hmm. the last two results. I think I mean they played really really well. Uh, yeah. To answer your question about Palacios, uh, it is a muscle injury. It looks like he'll probably be out uh, for the next match. Um, I think Andrich can probably fill in just fine. Um, you know, with Leverkusen, we talk about them, okay, every, everything's going their way this season. Yes, yes, yes. However, uh, Mark mentioned the corner. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> I mean, you can't just give Xavi Simmons a, a complete easy pickoff like that off a corner. And the two goals that Leverskusen scored off corners were kind of strange. They didn't have anything to do with good set-piece designs. Um, the Palacios injury hurts. Let's not forget Victor Boniface not going to be back till April after injuring himself on international duty. Um, so, I mean, are they the Invincibles? Can they have this undefeated season? We all love Xabi. Of course we love Xabi. I put up the Elf Freund at the beginning there. We want him to be our Arsene Wegner. 
but I mean, there are signs that they could fall to a defeat uh, at some point because it's it's you know they're they're still struggling. They've struggled in the in the first two matches of the season. They've they've really struggled to establish their game uh, in the league. So I mean, it, I, I wouldn't say that it was a lucky win. It was an absolutely deserved win. Uh, but uh, Leipzig probably were the better team in this case. But, I mean, when things are going your way, they're going your way. So, I mean, you you, you can say that as well. Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, but, yeah, great weekend for Leverkusen as the title race will endure for many more weeks to come and it'll, uh, you know, go each uh, this way and that and we'll follow it with great interest. But, yeah, another huge, huge win and a late win for Leverkusen. Uh, right, let's get to our last two games then uh, and make sure we give them plenty of um, time as well. And uh, one of the games we'll be covering or reviewing is the uh, game with Freiburg and Hoffenheim, uh, which was, um, well, a game that kind of hit uh, the straps uh, a lot more so in the second half, I think it's fair to say. Uh, Hoffen uh, Freiburg um, obviously got out to a, a good... <laughs> Um, a good lead. Bless you, Mark. Uh, you're getting excited, <laughs> getting excited by Vincenzo Grifo's performance, no doubt. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, obviously, Holle got uh, the home side off to you know a good start uh, after a VAR check, saying uh, making sure that he was on side with a delightful little chipped assist from Grifo in the first instance um, to get them rolling. Um, and then obviously the second half was uh, a bit more end-to-end, uh, -end, uh, a bit more exciting. Uh, well, obviously we had uh, then Grifo uh, making the most of a, a defensive error from Hoffenheim. So uh, Gregorzic managed to pick the pocket of Grilich, um, who is still playing in that centre-half role. Uh, a bit interesting, but Grifo also benefited from it. Um, really patient and managed to turn in the box and, and whack home for 2-0. Um, obviously, at that point, you're thinking, uh, you know, into the second half, uh, they'll they'll be quite comfortable now. Uh, but, uh, well, Hoffenheim just, well, did the classic, really. They went long, gave it a good old punt down the pitch and hoped for the best. Um, obviously, and then they got themselves uh, back into the game uh, quite quickly, obviously, after the second goal, which is important. Uh, Veghorst, the beneficiary, um, he flicked on the, the long ball in the first instance and was uh, um, set out by Bayer. Um, and I think it's fair to say it was similar to the uh, Julian Brandt finish that we had uh, last week, was it? Uh, in a scuffed nature, uh, not the cleanest hits that Veghorst will ever hit, but maybe that's clean for his, uh, you know, for his standards. Um, but yeah, maybe not. Uh, the greatest from a Tubalu as well to let that one in. You, you, you both chaps can uh, have your say on that goal and whether it's great keeping or not. Um, and then again, uh, Hoffenheim went long. Uh, not great defending again from Freiburg, just letting the ball bounce. It, it finds us obviously it's a way through to Bayer and he, he makes no mistake with a delightful strike to make it 2-2. Uh, then the home side go down to 10 men, of course. Goulder getting another red card, pretty poor from him. Uh, so then you're thinking, right, Hoffenheim are going to push on now and maybe go for the win. Uh, and then, well, shall I would have the last laugh, uh, last say, and uh, getting on the end of the other cross, uh, initial header as well, say, but then he, he puts uh, the rebound in uh, really well uh, to send the home side into. Absolute great celebrations. 
Um, Mark, I mean, this was a very end-to-end -end game uh, and one that Freiburg would be thrilled to win from obviously the position that they you know, found themselves in with 10 men. Um, what struck you most about uh, Freiburg uh, in terms of their performance? Uh, for me, mostly things are starting to go well for them in an attacking sense, but their defence is still something that I have real issues with and worries about them. Yeah, I think it's the same for both of these sides, but Freiburg in particular, yeah. I mean, the the kind of verve is back a little bit from them. You know, I think Grifo, who probably had a bit of a quieter first half of the season by his standards, you know, because the yeah. previous two, three seasons, he was superb. But he's been very good. Uh, I thought he was superb in this game. You know, that curling effort he had, which was really well saved uh, by Bauman, was, was amazing as well. Yeah, I think... Hurler is a player who just gets goals, doesn't he? I mean, what can you say? I mean, he's not the most fashionable number nine in the league by any means, but that was a really nice finish for the 1-0. It really was, you know. And as Peter said, that was the goal that was basically initially given us offside, but then VAR gave us a goal. So, yeah, on the rare occasion, we get some benefit out of VAR as well sometimes. But, yeah, I mean, I think uh, also Makengo, I've got to give some credit to him as well, the young left-back. I felt as though going forward, he was very good. I am a little bit concerned about uh, how attacking Makengo and Sildilia are at full-back as well because they play more like wingers, really, in many ways. They're always so far forward that it leaves kind of gaps behind for Freiburg. But in some ways it's nice to see because Freiburg were always a team that was super, super strong defensively, but maybe lacked a little bit of flair sometimes for the neutral. But just at the minute we're starting to see Christian strike. You know, the team do look quite attacking. They're trying to like dominate games as well. But yeah, I mean, for Hoffenheim, what do you expect from a team that only plays strikers? Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> basically the entire team is strikers and two strikers score, but they can't defend to save their lives, basically. Yeah, that, that's effectively what's going on with them at the minute. I mean, they are a strange, strange football club at the minute, Hoffenheim, really. I mean, I just don't know how to add them up. I mean... I would go as far as saying that I think if, if Pellegrino Matarazzo doesn't straighten out his tactics, they could really plummet in this runder. Really, I think they could go right down into the bottom half of the table because they don't look like getting a result at the minute. You know what I mean? And I would say apart from that, probably the you know, 20, 25 minutes where they were really good when they got the two goals and the red card, but to lose the game with 10 men, it's not cool, really, that, you know what I mean? When they had all the ascendancy and defensively, they're really poor, actually, really, really poor. I mean, the, the Grifo goal as well, he just took on about five defenders and then just curled it around Bauman. So they're probably the most puzzling team in the Bundesliga a minute, Hoffenheim. But I think for Freiburg, mm -hmm. good times are ahead. I think it's another European push. They've yeah. still got European football as well. So all things are good for the uh, South German team. Peter, do De Freiburg then from yeah, you know, pushing for Europe, still in Europe. Do they have the squad depth to back up both both fronts? Um well, they do now, thanks to some very good news that uh the uh, March well, they, yeah. Attila Shailai uh is is coming uh, over to Freiburg on loan from from Hoffman. Wow. Yeah, are you ready? Because it's Shailai and Salai or Sholai and Sholai. Okay. Yeah. Mark knows some Hungarian. He's he has some Hungarian friends. He speaks a little bit of Hungarian. So, yeah, Freiburg gets shot high. 
Sholai. Sholai is is the winger, and then Shalai is the the defender. Oh, oh, Salai, because I call him Salai, but he's Shalai. Okay, all right. Well, we're gonna have fun with them. Shalai. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, I mean, well, look, Atabolo. We talked about him a number of times this season. How he's probably been rushed uh, into that number one role a little bit uh, too early, and he had his he had his fair share of mistakes uh, in this one. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean the the Makengo and Cedilia, these are a couple of the young guys you're using as your as your fullbacks. I mean, they really could use Christian Gunter back uh, as soon as possible. But uh, I, I mean, props to Vincenzo Grief. I mean, Germans. We have a lot of high hopes for Bayern or for uh, Freiburg uh, Hoffenheim because it's like sort of an emerging Baden Derby, you know, Baden-Württemberg Derby from you know the very north of Baden-Württemberg to the very south. And uh, Grifo is from, as I've mentioned many times on this pod, the Italian from Pforzheim. He's right in the middle of Baden-Württemberg, so we had this Bavu Derby, uh, and the and the guy who was from right in the middle of the state was the uh, was the star of the show. It was a great match, it really was. And um, you know there'll be some uh, grumbling for about Pellegrino uh, Matarazzo in my forthcoming tactics column. Uh, the good news is is that they have Hoffenheim have signed a left wing back in Jurasek, so maybe Marius Bulter can start playing up front if they can find a, a, a place for him. <laughs> Um, but I, I mean, this was a great match. It was a fun. It reminded me a lot. You remember that one in the spring of 2022 when there were seven goals between these two sides? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the best. Uh, um, you know, so we have high hopes for this derby. Freiburg's won the last four ones. I think there was a nil-nil draw in there at some point. So, but they're undefeated in five, and this everybody's rooting for Freiburg when it comes to this derby. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of positives that uh, that Freiburg can can take from this one. And uh, fingers crossed for Sholai. Uh, <laughs> they, they certainly need him. With uh, he may start next week with Gulda out suspended and uh, mm-hmm. Lina, uh, undergoing surgery. So we'll yeah. get to see both the uh, the Sholais and Sh- Mark. I'll, you, you yeah, were... we'll, we'll just we'll <laughs> move on from all pronunciations. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, great game. Uh, really entertaining uh, and. Uh, well, a, a great three points in the end for the home side. Uh, then we will finish this week with, uh, well, the the Hissen derby, or, um, which obviously took place at the weekend between Darmstadt and Frankfurt. Uh, a game that looked to be, uh, well, going the way of the away side. Uh, they were looking to do the double, of course, after their... Um, <laughs> Obviously, first game of the season, their the one nil win thanks to that Kolo Moani goal. Uh, again, we were kind of reminiscing about him, weren't we, on the prediction show? Um, and yeah, I mean, from this point of view, Frankfurt were good uh, and probably outplayed the home side for what an hour ish, maybe. Um, obviously, goals from our, our new Unkunku, uh, um, obviously pronunciation-wise, uh, he got himself another goal, second goal now. And um, yeah, if you were smart enough to put him in your fantasy team, it would have been a great shout. I was so close. I wanted him, uh, I wanted him in, but I've, I, I went with other options. Um, then Amskar Knauf uh, tapping in what was definitely a shot from Sasa Kalajic. Uh, but anyway, he'll, he'll, ta- he'll take the assist. I think he'll be very happy for it. Um, uh, and obviously, yeah, he, yeah, he found found his man, so to speak. Uh, but Knauf in the right uh, right place at the right time for 2-0. Uh, and yeah, Frankfurt, 
yeah, fair to say they deserve that. I think they're the better team for a large part of that. But um, they're in after they they started to you know well they started to make mistakes quite you know quite plainly didn't they? And um, one of those mistakes led to uh, the the first goal for uh, for Darmstadt. Uh, for the debutants who'd been, you know, with the club for what a day, I think it was, uh, for Jusvan, um, making making the most of a, a poor clearance from Frankfurt, and obviously the I think the shot from Fife doesn't quite happen, but um, Jusvan is there in the right place to make it two one, uh, and it looks like Darmstadt aren't going to get their way. Um, it was the captain Holland who smashed over from well, inside the penalty area, wasn't very far out in the 85th, 86th minute. You're thinking, oh, well, that's that's the big chance missed. Um, but there's still drama to be had um, as Clara or Clara um, was able to um, put home a uh, really good um, cutback from Phil Helmson, I think it was, um, and obviously sends their home fans into absolute carnage. Uh, of celebrations uh peter i'll come to you first on this one um i mean you know really exciting game great derby we were mentioning in the prediction show how you know derby days you never know and the, the passion can kind of get you over the line um but again i guess darmstadt were given a footing into that game by some again some mistakes by frankfurt well, um, this one was another, uh, this match was really a, a highly tactical match. It was a tactics heads uh, dream. And uh, I've, I've been writing a little bit on it already, uh, a little bit. Three formation changes from Thorsten Liebeknecht. He switched to a back four uh, in the second half. And uh, then he, of course, brought Christoph Klar up to play as a striker, as one does with center backs late uh, in matches. And there was a, uh, a tactical uh, misstep from Dino Topmurda, who reverted to conservative tactics a little bit too soon. He went for yeah. that sort of uh, Christmas tree uh, 5-4-1 uh, that, uh, well, it's inside insider talk there. I don't want to bore everybody to death. But in any event, uh, <clears throat> it was, yeah, I mean... You really did feel like Frankfurt, uh, Sasa Kalajic in his post-match interview. Well, my translation was too vulgar for this podcast, uh, but uh, he, uh, well, indicated that they had, um, well, filled their pants a little bit, Frankfurt had, uh, by uh, squandering that late lead. And um, that's absolutely true. They reverted to administrative mode and conservative tactics far, far too early. Mm. Uh, and Liebeknecht was able through his three major constellational shifts to sort of outmaneuver them. Uh, now, so we have Julian Justvan, as you mentioned, one day with the club. And I also will get a quick mention uh, for the, the returning German-Filipino typhoon, Gerrit Holtmann, uh, who's also now joining Darmstadt. He scored the goal of the year back in uh, 2021, was it? Mm -hmm. uh, that match day two against Mainz, so... All of a sudden, we were talking last week about Frankfurt taking maximum points from the next four fixtures and Darmstadt being absolutely hopeless. Well, it's a different picture. That's why football is so great. Absolutely. Mark, can Darmstadt now use this goal uh, and finish as a bit of a springboard for the rest of the Rook Runder? Can they take some momentum? Because they, yeah, they need to. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think some of the signings are quite promising. I think Justvan is a player that's actually been quite highly rated for a while at Hoffenheim. He was never, as many players aren't really, he was never really given a true chance there in the last year or two. But he is actually a player that's been rated for a bit of time. I think Garrett Holtman is a, a friend of the show, you know, or a massive fan of the the Bochum Messi. <laughs> but nowadays it's going to be the Darmstadt Messi, isn't the it? Darmstadt, so, yeah. yeah. I think he's a great signing, actually. I really do. I think he's the kind of guy they need. He's a proper German uh, system player. He's a, you know what I mean? He's got so much experience and he is a good player on his day as well, obviously. Kind of drifted out of that Bochum team. I think that's the best hope. I think both of those players improve the team. As for whether they can stay up, I think they're going to need a lot of luck, let's say that much. And they're going to need Pfeiffer to probably finally start taking his chances and scoring more goals as well, because it seems though every single match he misses like two or three easy chances, to be honest. Um, I don't think there's much hope in truth, but they're fighting well. Let's give respect to Darmstadt. 11 points from nine, uh, 18 games is not that bad for them, really. If they double that total, they'll get up to like what? 22 23 points that won't be enough to keep them up but maybe if they can add a few more who knows maybe that third bottom is still possible um do i think they'll stay up though probably not unfortunately yeah um tricky one to call uh as the relegation race will hopefully go all the way and keep uh, you know keep us on our toes uh obviously at the moment it's looking uh not too promising for uh well darmstadt Köln. I, you know, you can say Mines have got that game in hand. Union have got two games in hand now. Uh, obviously, although one is against Bayern, um, but they're starting to be a bit well cut drift, uh, cut adrift. If I can get my words out, um, chaps, in that sense, because obviously Bolcom's win at the weekend, Verder's win at the weekend now pushes them both up onto twenty points. Um, so if Mines do lose that, their game in hand, they're nine points. Uh, well, they're nine points off those teams. Uh, they won't be too far off Union. Um, so, I mean, do we think it's... Do we say it's just those four teams in a relegation race? Do we still include the likes of Balkum? Um But if you say Balkum are in it, then you have to say Werder and Gladbach and Wolfsburg are in it as well, ridiculously. So it's pretty tricky to call still, isn't it? And maybe it's just a four-team relegation race this season. Peter, would you say it's four teams or would you stretch it out to anyone else? Um, I think that uh, Wolfsburg could actually <laughs> dip further <laughs> if I may make a bold prediction after what I saw against Heidenheim this weekend. Uh, and I think you could probably relegate Kern now. I, I, don't, I, I, I really don't see with the transfer ban. I've read that transfer. That is the most airtight transfer ban I've, I've ever seen in my life they're they are in, and what can you do all you can do if you're current is you can bring up these young guys like justin deal and uh and Vesh and Besha and uh you know and you can bring them up and, and pump them up you're part of the club you're you're you know you are the you're our future problem is if you do that before the guys are really developed before they're really ready you endanger both your club and their careers that's that's my two cents on that matter yeah, absolutely. So we will just finish, as I'm messing around with the banners, uh, with our uh, Bundesliga boxes, Hero of the Week. Um, and so, yeah, put it out to a vote as per usual. Uh, so our four contenders this week were 
uh, Mitchell Visor slash Thurder as a team performance, uh, Daniel Marlin's brace, Incapier's last minute winner, and Darmstadt's comeback. So all um, four very uh, valid um, contenders. And the winner uh, with 47% of the vote is Mitchell Visor and Werder Bremen for their superb performance uh, in Munich, ousting the champions uh, very well. Uh, Hincapier's winner was a pretty close second uh, place as well. So, yeah, well done to Visor and Verda for uh, winning that one. Uh, really good win uh, for Verda. So, yeah, Mark, over to yourself. Anything will close close up the show for tonight. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So if you enjoyed what you saw today, then don't forget to check out um, our Twitter feed or X nowadays at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra. Don't forget to follow Rory on Village Footy Twenty as well. Remember, guys, we're not only a YouTube channel as well, so check out our uh, podcasts as well uh, and leave a rating too because it kind of helps us grow that little bit more. And yeah, don't forget to keep liking, commenting, and subscribing as well on our youtube so yeah thanks a lot for joining us again as always guys thanks to balam and ian and the likes who check in regularly um and yeah we'll be back again on thursday for the prediction show ahead of week 19 so thanks a lot guys and see you there